I felt empowered being part of the advocacy work for students and knowing that my voice mattered and if there was something that I didn't feel comfortable with going on in a school that I had people to back me up and support me moving forward. I felt stronger going into my profession because I knew that if I made a mistake that there's three million people behind me backing me ready to lift me up if I needed that lift and it empowered me to help others find their voice in the association so I kind of felt like I was also teaching adults while I was teaching students. Hello and welcome to School Me, a podcast from the National Education Association. On this show, we talk to seasoned educators and experts to give new educators the tools they need to thrive in their careers. I'm your host, Natika Samuels. Usually our guests have years of experience under their belts, but today we have a newer educator in our studio to talk about what the transition is really like from student teaching to full-time teaching. Chelsea Short is a former NEA Aspiring Educator Program Chair who is now in her third year of elementary education in Maryland. Outside of the classroom, she still makes time to collaborate with her fellow early career educators to ensure they're all on a path to success. Thanks for joining me today, Chelsea. Thank you for having me. So let's start off with your background. What brought you to teaching and how long have you been doing it? I've been teaching for three years and I've always known that I was going to be a teacher. I was in second grade and instead of playing house with my stuffed animals, I played school and decided then that that was gonna be my path forward. And my middle school principal was extremely motivating and a really great role model for me. She was the caring teacher, principal, everything that I dreamed of being as a teacher for my students. And so I got really close with my middle school principal and she continued to push me until I went to college because I didn't know college was an option for me. So how have you spent your few years in the teaching profession? I started out in special education and then I taught third grade for a couple of years and now I'm in a behavior intervention program for K-1 and 2 students. So why did you make that transition? I have a passion for the kids who are struggling the most and I tend to love them a little bit more. They need that extra support and the strategies and the patience that I have and I noticed speaking from a few experiences that I've had some pretty tough kids in my class and they tend to do really well. And so I knew that with the proper support that going to this behavior intervention program would ultimately help the students who need it the most. Is that what you envisioned when you went into studying to become a teacher or was this sort of a surprise career change for you? It was a surprise career change. I had always pictured myself being like the fun, bubbly teacher who comes up with super creative lessons for 30 some kids. And now I have a pretty small class size and so I have to be even more creative with my time, which isn't a bad thing, but I definitely have always pictured myself being at a gen ed setting with some inclusion students as well. So what's been the biggest shock or difference that you've felt just moving from student teaching to full-time teaching? Definitely the workload. It's a really hard balance between I want to be a really effective teacher and I want to spend all this time creating really effective lesson plans and fun lesson plans that my students are going to enjoy and ensuring that my principal and other administrators need the data from me and making sure that I'm putting in the time that my 
admins can see that I'm putting forth an effort, but also balancing the amount of time that I'm putting into my students. And there was a lot of pieces of the job that I was unaware of, maybe because I didn't see it in my student teaching experience, because my mentor teacher was taking care of those things. Even though I saw her doing those things, I didn't realize how time consuming they were grading and testing and there's a lot of testing that takes up so much instruction time and it's hard for the students to value what we're teaching when they're being tested too much. How long did it take you to learn how to manage that workload and when did you get more comfortable in the classroom? I would say my second year was much better. So first year is really difficult because you're learning the ropes, you're learning the curriculum that you have to teach, you're learning your students, you're learning how what works in your classroom, and then year two, you have a whole different group of students, so what you did year one may not have worked, but you at least know the curriculum and you know the different windows of testing and the different times or how long it's going to take to do running records on your kids. or when there's a break, how to manage that break time, whether it's self-care or using it to grade and catch up on schoolwork. But your second year is definitely much better. You have learned and grown and you've built a network of support within your school system. I was lucky to have my union, who was a really strong supporter in helping me when I felt very stressed. They helped me navigate different resources that could help me as well. So you mentioned a mentor. Was that someone that you sought out yourself or someone who was assigned to you or how did you find that support? At the time I was teaching third grade and our team leader had an entire lifetime career of teaching and she reached out to us to offer the support and guidance. She was really good at making sure that she recognized when we were doing something really well and if there was something that we needed help with or just to bounce ideas off of her, she made extra time for us. Something that I hear from early career educators is that there's some amount of anxiety about dealing with the families of their students. How did you navigate you know, your first parent-teacher conference or any of those new experiences dealing with the adults that these students are with every day? I tried to treat the parents as if they were a part of the kid. So um, before parent-teacher conferences, we had an open house and I tried to build a relationship with the parents. So I had a scavenger hunt for them to go around the classroom with their student or their child. And then before conferences happened, I tried to make sure that the parents had heard from me in a positive way. And I tried to reach out to them before conferences to make sure that when they did come to parent-teacher conferences, it wasn't a complete shock what they were going to hear. Another thing that I learned from my principal, he had gone into a class and he saw this student who was doing really well and he just picked up the phone in the middle of class and called this kid's parent and was like, I just want you to know that your kid is doing amazing right now. And you just saw the demeanor change in the classroom and so I picked up that habit and it's surprising to see how different the parents respond to you. And I tried to make sure that, you know, I'm frequently talking to them and Anytime that they needed something, I was responding. So you're not supposed to respond like after school hours, right? It's typically, they tell you to just put your phone away and stress-free, but anytime a parent reached out to me, I tried to respond within an hour. And that way they knew that I was not just there to support their kid, but also to support what they needed. Yeah, and I can imagine that felt really good for them as they don't necessarily think that every time they get a call from you, it's something bad, that mm -hmm. sometimes it's good news. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned answering calls after hours and you're supposed to be de-stressing, perhaps. 
how did you manage work-life balance or self-care when you were trying to be super responsive to parents and super responsive to students, but also honor yourself? So I can't say that I was always the best at self-care, but I did block off certain times during the week that were just for me. So I play softball. And so Tuesday nights, that was the night that I played softball. And anytime, you know, if a parent didn't hear from me in an hour during that time, I would explain to them that I was, sorry, I was at softball. And that's why I didn't respond back to you so quickly. The other thing I did was I always made sure that Saturdays were nothing for schoolwork. I didn't plan. I didn't buy stuff for school. I didn't go into the building. I didn't think or work anything related to school. And then that way, if I had to get something accomplished for the school week on Sunday, I could worry about it on Sunday. And I had that one day to be completely stress-free. Going back to the issue of parents, as a newer teacher, did you find it intimidating to deal with parents or did you find that parents treated you differently because of that? I would say generally most parents respected that I was the teacher and that I was going to build a strong relationship with their kid and I think I only had one instance where a parent really felt like I wasn't adequate to be their kid's teacher and in that situation you do what's best for the kid and if the parent's receptive you keep reaching out otherwise I just did what I needed to do for the kid and I didn't stress about that because it was one parent and that wasn't worth my stress. And when you were in your first one or two years in the classroom, were there other early career educators or people that you knew or were in your sort of age group that were working with you or were you one of the only ones in the school at that time? So in the county I work in, we have a pretty high turnover rate. So there's a constant flow of early career educators, new teachers, non-traditional teachers. So I was surrounded by new teachers and a lot of early career educators. Most of the people that I worked with were within their first five to eight years of teaching when I first started teaching. So how did you guys work together? Did you guys form a group that would go out socially or even just talk about work <laughs> in order to get support from each other, sort of an informal support group? Yes. Just my tight-knit group, I became really close with the teacher who taught next door to me. We did a lot of planning and a lot of bouncing ideas off of each other and making sure that we were on track with the curriculum and, hey, did you remember to do that paper? And uh, just checking in with each other, asking how we did different things. But also, in my local, we started an early career educator group with our association. It's for anyone who's in their first five to eight years of teaching. And when they sign up to be a member of our local, they have access to all the different programs that we offer. The first year we did it, we did monthly meetups where we would offer a little bit of PD on, hey, here's how you're gonna be evaluated and here's some tricks and trades to make that piece a little easier when, it, when the time comes. And then we would do like half hour PD. And then afterwards it would be social time. Hey, network with people who are going through the same thing as you, talk to people who are at different schools and what is their life like. If you're having a student that's struggling with some behavior problems, ask how they're, they've been dealing with those similar problems and just get to know people because we know that once they felt valued and they felt like they had a support group that they were less likely to leave. On the other side, how did you work with the more experienced educators in your school to make yourself better or help them? What were some of the things that they felt like they needed help with? So I did flexible seating in my class and it was kind of a newer idea at my school. Some of the uh, more experienced teachers were wondering like how I would do it and how it would work. 
And so I kind of offered up how I was going to do it and how, why I thought it was an effective way so that they could try out a wobble stool or a wobble cushion in their classroom, maybe just one of them, not changing the entire classroom setting. I also offered like whole brain teaching ideas, just different tricks that are newer that we've been learning in, in our college courses. But I would always ask a veteran teacher how they would do something and then I would offer up here's how I was thinking about doing it and do you think that that's a really good idea or do you think that that's going to be ineffective or what flaws do you see in that plan and they would often say I really like that idea I think I'm going to do it. It's kind of just a conversation that happens and ideas get shared and then education is just that type of profession where you create a wheel and you share the wheel and you don't always have to reinvent it and you can modify it as the years go on. So it was more of like a two-way street if I was offering advice or they were offering advice and it just all started with a conversation, a simple introduction. Hey, how are you doing? Um, is there anything you need help with? So I've talked a lot about things that we typically hear. We typically hear about self-care. We typically hear about parents and also sort of time management and workload and things we've already talked about. But what were some of the things that you thought would be hard and then ended up being kind of easy versus the things that you thought would be no trouble at all and ended up being kind of difficult? I definitely thought that grading papers and putting them in the grade book would have been the easiest thing that I did as a teacher. It ended up being more difficult because there were so many papers and so many subjects and so many kids to grade and then to put them in the grade book and then you have you know the kids who have the missing assignments and you don't want to plummet their grade, you want to give them extended time or that part was challenging for me when I didn't expect it to be. thought it was going to be black and white. You did it. You put it in the grade book. There's a grade that pops up, but that's not always the case. And then the part that was easier was actually lesson planning. So I got into a really quick routine of how I could plan effectively and efficiently without having to spend hours writing a lesson plan for just one subject because I thought that I was going to have to type out my entire teaching career. I thought I was going to have to type out objective, standard, opening sentence. Here's the activity you're going to do and that just becomes a natural thing that you're able to do and you don't have to necessarily write it out in a three-page lesson plan. You can just put it in a plan book and that to me was surprising but in a good way. So social media comes into play with everything we do now and as a person who came of age in the social media age, how has that changed or affected the way that you deal with your job or your students? Do you have to avoid your students? Do you have to avoid their parents? Are you more careful about what you say and don't say? How have you worked social media into your life as a teacher? I have a teacher Twitter account. If I have a parent who wants to follow me on social media, I can say, well, you can follow me on my teacher Twitter and you can follow everything we do in the classroom and anything that I do as I'm growing professionally at conferences or different events. As far as Facebook, I just use my first and my middle name because then the students can't find me or the parents can't find me. I have occasionally had students who did find me and I just block them. Don't accept them on your Facebook or Instagram. I use my social media as if I used it before I was a teacher. As far as my personal accounts, I'm aware of, I guess, how it might appear to a parent or to a student if they saw it. But other than that, 
I use that lens of if a student got a hold of this, would I be in trouble or would I regret posting this? And otherwise I use it pretty much the same. Thanks for listening to School Me and a quick thank you to all of the NEA members listening. If you're not an NEA member yet, visit nea.org slash whyjoin to learn more about member benefits. Moving between college and then your own classroom or rather student teaching and then full-time teaching, did you feel like you really were prepared as much as you could have been through your formal education? I learned the most from my student teaching experience and then just diving straight in as soon as I started working. I can say that there's a few tricks and trades that I learned from my college professors and just pedagogy and things like that that I needed to be aware of in college, but most of it came from the hands-on experiences. And throughout the four years I was in college, I was constantly in the classroom, so it was that was the way that my program was designed. And I don't remember a lot from the classes that I took in college, but I remember a lot of the experiences that I had when I was doing those hands-on assignments or hands-on teaching experiences throughout the four years and then in my student teaching. You were the student chair for NEA for two years. Why did you decide to get involved with NEA in that way? Originally, I had attended a student conference in DC and I had been motivated by some of my peers who were doing some advocacy work and organizing work back in their campus and that wasn't something that I had seen in my campus. So I brought it back to my college and was given a leadership opportunity by the current chair at the time and I took that opportunity and learned a lot about the association and what its values are and and how it can help me grow as a teacher and when that opportunity time came to an end I saw a different leadership opportunity and I kind of just kept climbing the ladder until one day I was elected as the NEA student chair. Why do you think it's so important to have a collection of students in a union that is pretty much thought of as for full-time teachers and educators and, and other people who work in schools. The people who are studying to be teachers are the future of the profession and in order for the association to move in the direction that it needs to go, it needs to have the voice of the people who are soon going to be filling it and to make sure that those values that the early career educators or aspiring educators have, they can see themselves in the work that the association is doing in order to feel valued and to feel like their voice is heard and that they belong. And how did your involvement in your local or with NEA, how did that change how you felt about the career that you were going into? I felt empowered being part of the advocacy work for students and knowing that my voice mattered and if there was something that I didn't feel comfortable with going on in a school, that I had people to back me up and support me moving forward. I felt stronger going into my profession because I knew that if I made a mistake that there's three million people behind me, backing me, ready to lift me up if I needed that lift. And it empowered me to help others find their voice in the association. So I kind of felt like I was also teaching adults while I was teaching students, especially as a new teacher, that's very uncommon for a person to come in with such advocacy experience and being able to articulate your contract and advocate for, hey, you didn't get your planning time. Well, there's a way to fix that. And so I felt like I knew the other side of teaching that a lot of 
people kind of just go through their day not realizing that there's a whole nother network of people who are making things in a school work. And so I felt confident in beginning my career because of my leadership roles and my association experiences. How important was that confidence for you in your first couple of years? And have you seen those who aren't coming from the same place of confidence, struggling with anything in the classroom or in their jobs? For me, it was important because I had a pretty difficult first year in terms of fair evaluation. And so for me, knowing that I just, I had to make one phone call in order for someone to have my back in a meeting with my principal, that was extremely important. My evaluation didn't get changed in any way, but I felt empowered that I had spoken up and said, you know, this is how I feel about this and this is why I think it was wrong. And I'm not gonna let you continue to push me down. That was really empowering for me and it empowered the other people around me and in the school building to also speak up when they felt like something wasn't right. I think, you know, a lot of newer teachers feel like they can't speak their mind. And I notice, you know, people putting up with different violations to your contract happen and they just kind of take it rather than speaking up because they're afraid that they're gonna get terminated or they're not gonna have a good evaluation and that there's a way to, to fight that. So I think that it was really important to come from the background that I had to make sure that my students had what they needed and my colleagues who were new also had the power to say what they needed. So you're three years in, you have your college career behind you, but not so far. What would you tell a college student, maybe a junior or senior who's looking forward to getting their career started, what advice would you give them right now where you are? You're entering the best profession in the world and you're gonna change so many lives. You're gonna come across so many challenges, but it, every single challenge, every single bump is worth it if you just stick it out and you find the support that you need. Don't be afraid to ask for help because asking for help shows that you're willing to learn and that you're willing to grow and you're willing to do what it takes to support your students. And it's not a sign of weakness, even though it feels like it. It gets better the longer you're in the profession. It gets easier. You have more experiences under your belt and every single kid whose life you touch is gonna remember you because everyone remembers their teacher and just remember the why. Why did you go into the profession? And if you have to remind yourself of that at the end of the hardest day of your career, then have it written down somewhere so you have somewhere to look at it because it's completely worth it. What advice would you give your younger self after three whole years? You have all that time to look back on, what would you say? You're gonna get through it and you're gonna love it and the struggles that you have and will face are just bumps in the road and ultimately you're gonna find the piece to the puzzle that you've been waiting for in education and that passion that you had as a second grader will still be there when you're an adult. All right, well, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of School Me. And if you find this podcast helpful, be sure to rate and review the show. It helps more people find us and the advice they need to survive their first few years in education. For even more tips and resources, you can visit us at neatoday.org slash school me.